Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm getting the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. You hear that sound? It sounds like the NFL drafts here, Adam Luckett. You're on the clock, Mr. Dr- Mr. Roush. Oh, man, and I couldn't be more excited. We've got real football. Well, it's not real football, but it's the closest thing we're going to get for a long time. It's the closest thing mm-hmm. to sports we're going to get in general for a long time, and I couldn't be happier to be here. Uh, I'm just pumped. Welcome in to 11 Personnel's NFL Draft Special, ladies and gentlemen. Zoom edition. Yeah, we've never done this before. I haven't looked at your face in a while. Lucky you. (laughs) I I noticed we both were rocking a little bit different kind of uh, facial hair um, going on here. You got a quarantine beard. I I was going with rocking a goatee for a few days, and I decided that for – this episode, I needed to change it up. You know, I mean, people are going to see my face for the first time in a while, so I might as well show it off a little. And so, what do I do? I, I get the handlebar mustache, and the wife's like, "No, that's that's not working out for you." So, I got a little Minshew mania going on. Got my Jacksonville Jaguars jersey on, just because the Jags sucked last year doesn't mean I'm giving up on them. They still got Josh Allen, which means they're destined to be the best football team in the world here very shortly. You have the facial hair to match the hat. Oh, man. It, it's a great hat. And you know what? It, it, I'm just fired up, man. I, I've been listening to a lot of different stuff, watching a lot of different things. And, like, hearing Cole Kublik talk about Logan Stenberg just mowing dudes down, like, it gets you fired up for football. How many uh, mob drafts have you consumed this week? Um, or since the weekend? It's not a healthy amount. Um, right. See, I have about two or th- – I think I found it best to just have the two or three guys that you go to, and then those – then you kind of keep up with them. So, who's your who's your two or three guys, though? Uh, Dane Brugler with Athletic. Yep, that's a good move one. The, move the sticks. Daniel Jeremiah. Yeah, I kind of bounce – and I like uh, Zerline, too. So, yeah. I kind of look at both – I kind of consider them together because they're both NFL.com. And then Matt Miller I look at every once in a while. The, those are the three. Like Kuiper McShay, I don't really look at theirs. Usually oh. behind, behind that ESPN paywall. And yeah. the other the others are just I think they're easier to read and follow. Well, and it's one of those things where it's almost like with Lenardi, like I keep up with the OGs in the game, but mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, you know, like it's it's one of those where I like I don't care that much about what they actually have to say, especially when I think a few others are a little more reputable. I also mm-hmm. Part of the reason why I keep up with like a thousand mock drafts like it is because I'm I'm looking for as many Lynn Bowden, Logan Stenberg, like combinations of where they could potentially be going. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to a lot of things on tonight's show. But I think the goal of this 
it, uh, I want to get out of this show is yes, we get into the weeds with our podcast, but here's the thing, Adam Luckett is there's a lot of folks that aren't necessarily draft heads that are digging into this head first because of the circumstances. Right. Exactly. So I hope that we can have like a, Hey, here's how you can enjoy this in a, in a different way uh, than usual. Um, you know, we kind of dumb it down a little bit, you know, we, we don't got to get it too much, but I also think that there's plenty of fun, different nuances. And right now we're at my favorite part of the NFL draft or no second favorite part. My favorite part is, is booing Roger Goodell. Um, I, that's like bar none, <laughs> the, the coolest part of the entire event. And actually I, I was in Nashville last year and man, it's exhilarating to do it in person. It really is. <laughs> like in Nashville, that was a scene last year, man. It well, was it, packed to the brim. Some, all, all three days, really. It re- it really was. I mean, it was it was a great venue. The people I talked to down there that like go to many NFL drafts, they were like, I mean, this is as good as it gets as far as the setup goes. It's a little crowded, but is you know th- that that made it fun. But here's the thing, like it, we're, we we normally deal in college sports, and you booing's kind of taboo like you just don't want to be a jerk you know so i it's very rare that it's like generally acceptable to just boo to your heart's content and to do that time after time after time again just Mm -hmm. booing your heart out at roger goodell it's it's not going to be the same um without it this year even though i know that a couple of folks are trying different things to to get involved Maybe the NFL will have a comment section we can all get on and everybody can write boo in there. Ooh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. And I think we have a comment section uh, too is, uh, as well. So if you want to get in there, come on. Send us some questions. We'll answer them throughout. I don't really know if it's working or not, but, um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of uh, going along as we can throughout this process, learning as we go. Have you been Zooming a lot, Adam Luckett? We had one with my parents over the weekend on Saturday, maybe Sunday. We did one like a family one, but that's really the only one I've done. And I'm sure that there weren't people talking over each other that lucky clan. It's a lucky clan, the loudest. Oh, it's the loudest. And if you want food, you better get it as soon as you get home from the grocery, because it's only going to last about a day or two. So if you want your Oreos, you want your whatever, you know, whether you have a favorite type of cereal, you better eat it within four to eight hours or it's going to be gone. As an adult, I found myself like rationing my good food longer than usual. Cause I know that like, like here, here's the thing. I have a real big, I, I got a thing for potato salad. It's like something as an old man, I've just developed a taste and nobody in my house enjoys potato salad as well. So I'll get a tiny little tub. And since I don't have to worry about anybody else getting it, I just kind of, like, it's good. It's there when I want it. I, I, I don't want to eat it too fast because then when I get a hankering for it, I can't just get a spoon and take a bite. So that's a luxury I have now. But as a kid, man, the Pop-Tarts, Pop-Tarts. Oh, that's another one, yeah. Man, you, those went quick. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, grab and growl, as I always say. But back to my favorite things of the draft. My second favorite part, it's smokescreen season, Adam Luckett. Smoke oh, yeah, screens. man. They're everywhere. And I can't get enough of smoke screens in the mm-hmm. NFL draft. I'm trying to think of some that's dropped this week. I mean, we've we've seen some. Have you heard of the name Logan Wilson? 
Yeah, Nick Roush. Ooh, tell me, tell me the name Logan Wilson. This guy played at Wyoming, started all four years, made 18 trillion tackles, was mm-hmm. all conference, and it was a guy that was like third to fourth round mock was where kind of where everybody had him. And okay. now I've seen multiple people say he's going in the first round tomorrow. Really? So, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's like – if that's a thing. Some people are trying to hype him up or what. But he seems like a guy that, you know, kind of is a riser out of nowhere. Makai Becton last week. We heard Ooh, he felt a drug test of combine. Who leaked that out? Wait, wait, wait. Hold up. He didn't he, – it was flagged, which I – Flagged, okay. I've never heard that terminology, so maybe it's like he drank too much water, so it was a bad sample. But well, yeah, I think it means some object had a spike from a normal level that probably shouldn't have been. Right. Because I think that's what happened with Jeremy Jarman. His test came back, and there was a spike in something, whatever it was, and then they researched it more, and then he admitted to taking what he took, and that was a banned yeah. substance, and it got suspended for the year. So – the, what we're getting at, to, to clarify what a smokescreen is, essentially all of these teams, they like to leak information to the media to try to pull one over on the other one. So either they want to gas up somebody that, like, uh, that, that they want to think, like a dumb team that's above them. They wanted to pick this guy because they think he's really bad and they think they can confuse another team. Or – they want to be quiet and throw out some misinformation so he'll drop lower to get to them. And I mm-hmm. think in the most obvious cases, it's in quarterbacks. Yeah, with this one, you're looking at, you know, Tua Herbert. He'd yes. be a favor there in the first and, round. And, man, I, I think all of this stuff is purely just – because Herbert, in, in the last week or so, Herbert's risen up a lot of these boards. He's gone past Tua in a lot of them. And – People are like, it's, it could be for a legitimate reason, and that's the injury concerns. Right. And that's all you have to do is just just wedge some doubt in there to, to try to make people think like, all right, I don't, I don't think this is going to work out. I don't know if, if Tua can handle the, the, the workload. And I love it because I just have a hunch that one of these teams is going to screw it up, and they're going to regret not end up taking Tua. Yeah, we'll see. For, to me, the thing, do, the Dolphins at five and the Chargers at six are the two teams that need quarterbacks. Right. And look, you would think the Redskins at two will start still fine with Dwayne Haskins, but the Lions and Giants don't need quarterbacks, and they're sitting there at three and four. Right. So it, they're ob- obviously, they have major trade bait there. So, like, a trade's coming. Yes. The top, either two or Herbert's getting picked at three or four. It's, you know, who pulls the trigger on that trade? Well, and will one of those teams that's at five or six pull a Bears and trade up two spots? You know, right. are they willing to give up capital to get there? Yeah. Well, you got you got a Goober Gettleman over with the Giants, that, which I think you'll get into his draft setup that you, that you pointed out to me oh, the other day. But you just don't know what he's going to do. I mean, he's a wild card. The right. Lions, all signs point to them drafting – Jeff Okuda, who's the number one quarterback. I have him number one corner by a, a, a lot. I think he's one of the best players in this draft. And, but, and, but he could fall to eight. Like, nobody else is going to Well, I don't think it's that high. It's not – yeah. I like the point you made. The only thing about him is that it's, there's not a whole lot of guys like him out there. 
as far as right, you know, shut down corners. That's not a real premium of this draft, but still, all signs are kind of pointing to that. Do you wonder? Here's my thought on this: on the smoke screens on Tua and all that, and and Herbert. I'm I'm wondering where the the source could be, and my my inclination is that two of the top five teams are top five picking teams are coming from the Belichick tree. And I just can't – Matt Patricia and Brian Flores, I think they're – I can't figure out their motive behind it because if the Dolphins want him, they could just get him. But maybe Patricia thinks he can pull one over on Flores and make him trade up and do a pick swap from three to five. I, I think that might be Patricia. Because Patricia strikes me as the kind of guy that, like, is maybe a little too big for his own britches, you know? Like, he, he probably thinks he's smarter well, than Well, he is too big is. for his own britches. We saw him there, didn't he? <laughs> big old boy. Yeah. Um, so that's my hunch on it. But, like, you know, this is just coming from Joe Schmo rocking the stash and the run the damn football hat. And it's, yeah. They're know. trading down, no doubt about it. It's just what kind of move you can do. But I can also see a scenario, like, say, the Dolphins or Chargers lose that bid up. They could trade down because if you look at it, like if someone wanted to get risky, like to come out and get Isaiah Simmons at like five or six, because the Panthers don't need a quarterback at seven. The Cardinals don't need a quarterback at eight. It seems like the Jaguars are full in tank for Trevor Lawrence mode. Like they're going to bomb the season. And then Browns have Baker at 10. Jets have Darnold at 11. And then you look at the Raiders at 12. Yeah, they would pay (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> like you know like John Gruden. I think things, right things <laughs> can get it could get interesting I think if if one of those teams kind of bows out and says we'll just maybe maybe they like uh, maybe they think Herbert can drop far maybe uh Gruden wants to trade up to get you know Simmons or whoever like I think things can get pretty interesting here because you look at these you know this first round overall like Burrow and Young are the top two players. They're going to be the top two picks. And yes. then after that, the storyline is Tua. Like, what happens there with him and Herbert? But, Could we have a Matt Liner situation where he's right, sitting right. in the green room, except there won't really be a green room, which we can get into the logistics mm-hmm. uh, in a little bit. But I can't wait for – there's going to be somebody that recreates the Brett Favre picture. Mm-hmm. But surrounding <laughs> it all, which is why I think things can get crazy, is – Really, almost half of this draft, first round, could come at two positions, OT and wide receiver. Yeah, because there's so I many. Mean, the round is I mean, it's just littered with offensive tackles and wide receivers. So, when the first one for each of those positions comes off the board, it could create a domino effect because then it can be like, well, we got to make a move to get our guy so we don't lose our guy out. You know what I'm saying? And it mm-hmm. could create a scenario like you're saying where the Chargers could maybe trade back to like 16 and Herbert still be there. And they so, picks. The the phrase that the, the catchphrase or the catch word that they use whenever this happened, they're making a run on tackles or they're they're, right. they're going yeah, on, run, yes. They're yes. they're making a run on uh, quarterbacks because you'll see where teams just kind of freak out and they don't want to get caught with their thumb up their butt and you know well, we had to get a quarterback, and our guy's not here, so we, we just got to take somebody instead of taking – Copycat the, league, man. I mean – Yeah. <laughs> and there's leaders and there's followers. And a lot of teams, you know, they get nervous and say, well, if we like this guy, we need to get him. We can't mess around, worry about a fifth, sixth-round pick. 
Now, I, I want to get into – so the receivers and the offensive tackles, they, they're probably the two strongest positions mm-hmm. in this draft, top to bottom. But there's a player you mentioned that I, I'm not sure we've discussed enough just because he was in a different league and he wasn't playing – like Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne stole all the shine. Those receivers, Higgins, all those guys stole all the shine for Clemson. When Isaiah Simmons was – busy playing pretty much every position for Clemson's defense. Uh, right. you know, we, we talked about in this podcast after the national championship game, but Brent Venables, it's like an amoeba, you know, he, he's lining up three guys down. He's just moving a lot of stuff around to try to confuse you. It worked for a little bit in the championship game until Joe Burrow figured it out. But the key to that was Isaiah Simmons because he's so versatile. Now, here's the, th- the take that I love. Fred, Freddie's a big fan of Isaiah Simmons because – I mean, he tests like a football robot. Like, you couldn't. Right. It's like you made him in a factory. Exactly. Now, the thing that I love, though, about our, our, our tape crunchers, like Cole Cuba, Cubes crush Simmons. And he's like. I heard not, that. He's like, it's not like I, don't, I want him to fail, but it's the NFL rewards specialization. And he's, he's got to figure eventually specialize in something. And right now, he's not like the best at anything maybe uh since edge rushers there's not as you know there's not a ton of them in this class he would of, of course he's going to be at a premium but i my, my question to you like is do you think kublik is a little off base here or is the 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 football robot um should he go top five top ten in that ballpark my response to that is the franchise that drafts him needs to figure it out because he can play <laughs> You just find the spot and put him there. He, he can play. <laughs> they need to figure it out. Now, there is a scenario, I think, where he goes to a bad franchise and they use him in the wrong spot, and then he can get caught up in the lot, lost in the wash. Mm-hmm. I think that's the real kind of – I think the thing is there – I think that is there. Like, there is a – I think there's a low floor on him if you mess up how you kind of use him. I think that's there. But the tools he possesses, the size, the speed, the range, the, the the sudden quickness, all the all the little draft words you want that we're gonna hear whenever he comes off the board, he has all of those. Mm-hmm. He's gonna like he's they're gonna find a place for him. So I think, to me, when I look at it, it's just being in the right. Just as long as he doesn't get in a really bad situation, he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be on the all rookie team. He's gonna play a long time. I don't know like how good he's gonna be, but I think he's gonna be pretty good. So my answer to that is, yeah, he could get you know that could be an issue for him but that I think that's going to be more on whoever drafts him than it is going to be on him as a player right now Daniel Jeremiah has him going 10th to the Cleveland Browns who uh, took a guy like that a few years ago who played a bunch of different positions right and didn't really stick in real peppers I think Uh, that's totally different because when you watch Michigan play peppers would disappear a little bit yeah, you, ne- you never thought you never saw, especially this past year with Simmons. You never were like didn't know he, number eleven was on the field. So I don't, I don't and they're different, man. Uh, Peppers is a safety who returned kicks, and everybody said, oh, "Well, he can play every position." Now they they use him a lot of different spots, like Simmons. But I think it, I think it's just different. I mean, we saw Simmons play corner, cover receivers outside, drop deep safety, rush the passer. He was also right like, fits. With Harbaugh, Harbaugh was like kind of forcing a square peg in there just so he could be a Heisman candidate. Yeah, but, they wanted to get a superstar there for sure. Yeah. Um, whereas like Simmons was the real deal in like in all the PFF grades, he 
graded out excellent in all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think if you're, I mean, it, it depends on, did Miles Garrett get that suspension lifted? Yeah, he's good to go. Sorry, he's good to go. Pretty uh, sure but that, either sure way, that, though, I've read that somewhere. I would like to see Simmons just playing like an outside linebacker somewhere, just to where he can use some of his pass rushing tools, and he can, uh, you know, still have some of that pass care. Kind of like Josh Allen, which it, this it helped him. I mean, I think he led all rookies in sacks this year. He had more than Bosa because mm-hmm. he just got to tee off. But I, I, I think you're. You're, when you don't use your entire toolbox, you might not create the most beautiful product at the end of the day. But right. you know, that's another story for, for my Jaguars, which last year I became their number one fan. Um, picked a bad year to do that. Uh, but that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> okay. Hold All in right. there one more year, man, because if, if they pull off this strategy like I think they're going to do, they could be set starting 2021 if they can get the quarterback. That's a big if. Yeah. That's a big if. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to end up tanking for Trevor here before too long. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now, th- this is the question I wanted to ask you. Because it, it really just comes down to these two positions that they could be making a run at. Receiver and offensive tackle. All right. We've got, what, three or four offensive tackles that are probably going to go in the first round. Andrew at Thomas least, yeah. at Georgia. Uh, Makai Becton at Louisville. Uh, you have Jedrick Wills, proud of Lexington, Kentucky, Alabama player. Um, and Joshua Jones is another one. Well, Tristan Worse, Iowa. Oh, Worse, that, that's who I – But, yeah, you, you can also throw Josh Jones, Houston, in there. And then Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. And then there's another one because I, I did all this research. Austin, Austin Jackson. Jackson, USC. There's seven guys that could literally go in this first round, Nick, at Austin's tackle. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen with these off- – three or four of those guys are going to be good. Every other tackle in this draft is probably going to be, you know. Average. Not a guy you want starting. Let's put it that way. Okay. So, who's who's most NFL ready right now? That's a good question. Like, this worst kid has got it all. But his from a size standpoint – like him and Wills, I kind of put together. From a size standpoint, I don't know long term if they that tackles their best position. They might be sliding inside. So if you just like if I if I just need to hit on a guy that I know is going to be good, I'm going to take Thomas Andrew Thomas from Georgia because I know what you're getting in him. He's a legit right tackle. He's going to play that position for ten to twelve years. He's going to be mm-hmm. so, you know a solid piece. Yeah. But like like when you get into ceilings, like Makai Beckton's got the highest ceiling out of all these guys. Yeah, because he's a developmental just, project. Because well, Louisville, you know, I mean, how are they going to just physically play? what he brings, just from a size standpoint, power standpoint, and just when you're that big and can move that well, it, you, you're, it's just hard to get around those guys, you know, mm-hmm. off the edge. And then in the run game, especially a team like we saw the 49ers, like that outside zone, and they just carve the Packers up with it. Like, right. Becton is exactly who you want to run that. We saw – I mean, that's what Louisville ran this year to a lot to a lot of success, just running damn. behind him all the time. Run the damn ball. Right. So, he's obviously got the high ceiling. I think I like worse the most his game right now. But if you're going to – like, I, I just don't know if he's a ta- – like, if 2022, if he's still playing tackle. He might be, you know, just one of the you know, rock-solid guard that's competing for maybe pro bowls, maybe all pro mention. But – you don't, but you don't take guards unless they're Quentin Nelson, you know, top five. Right, so. right, right. Uh, 
Yeah, and but Worfs is kind of like Simmons in that, like they both had those kind of just freakish uh, mm-hmm. combine yeah. numbers where it's like, yeah. And, and and hell, Beckton was the same way in the, in his forty time. Like guys that large aren't supposed to run that fast. So there's a ton of really talented athletes uh, in here, and I and I think that goes to the wide receiver position where like there's some guys in here that we should be like they're going to be fantasy dudes for years to come. It's kind of like when uh, yeah, I think Julio Jones was in a really good draft. If I, if I'm if my memory serves me well. Like I, and I remember I mean, AJ him. Green came out together, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. I think that's what it was. Yeah, they were both top five, top ten, whatever it was. And, I think it was like 2010 or 2011. And that's the same thing we got here with C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. Like, you really can't go wrong with either as an outside. Yeah. I wouldn't put them in that class, but, yeah, you're gonna. they're all good players. They're all going to play and start right away. Dude, um, take your Bengals goggles off for a minute. Just just because I said that one of these guys could be better no, than AJ Green, no Bengals glasses off. I mean, I'm just saying, like AJ Green, seven time Pro Bowler, three time, three set time second team All Pro. Like, I think when you drafted him, you knew you were getting an All Pro receiver. I think with him and Julio coming out, I think that's a fair assumption. I don't think it's. I just don't think it's the same with these guys. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'm gonna. I I'm writing this down. And whatever Jerry Judy's all pro, okay. I'm just gonna rub it in your okay. face. Okay, rub okay. it in your face. If they were, they wouldn't be going. Like they're gonna come off the board at twelve or thirteen. If they were that good, I don't think they'd be dropping that far. Now, well, I I think that's okay. This is what I'm most fascinated about this NFL draft. Like that Thursday night, I'm gonna be just like, because here, here's the thing: those guys are very talented. Like you said, though, I mean, they're not guaranteed like top five picks because we know that they're generational talents. But they're one and one. They all have high floors. Yes. You can't you can't screw this up. And the thing is the NFL is a fear based league. General managers, they will make their picks because they don't want to lose their jobs. And picking a guy with a high floor like Judy or Lamb is a good choice. But here's the thing. This is a very deep and talented group of wide receivers. Where like Lynn Bowden, our guy is obviously not the most polished uh, product, and somebody's going to get a steal out of him in the third or fourth round. Like they just are. K.J. Hamler, like he's not the biggest guy, but the Penn State slot receiver, dude is going to make a team like, really, dog? <laughs> he comes in here and he starts chewing on a squeaker toy. But, like, K.J. Hamler is a guy very talented, and he's going to fall farther just because of the the, the depth in this class, but here's the, the, the flip side of the coin is do we get to where they're making a run on them because there's so many good ones that you don't want to miss out and that fear kicks in. And, and that's where I think I'm, for sure that's what's going to happen. As soon as one goes, they're all going to, those, those three are just going to go off the board. Rugs, the next five picks, Judy, Rugs, and Lamb. Judy and Lamb, which makes me wish, I wish Merrill coached a guy named Rugs. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, and this this mock draft has uh, Jeremiah has Judy going to the Raiders. I want Rugs yeah. to go to the Raiders so bad, just to like it. It would be the most Al Davis move mm-hmm. ever, just to get the See, the fastest ride receiver. Just draft him. Brugler has the Raiders taking Lamb at twelve. Then he has the Niners trading up. I believe the Niners either they trade up or they got this pick from Indy. I'm not sure. I need to do some research on that. They have them taking Rugs. 
which is what they need, a guy to just take the top off the defense. Because they already got that running game. They got Kittle. You get a guy like that if Jimmy G can just get involved. There you go, banquet beer. And then uh, then at 15, uh, Judy going to the Broncos. Giving Drew Locke a pretty good Man, target. They Drew Locke needs uh, somebody to throw to. Mm-hmm. Um, they already – I mean – you look at the Broncos, though, man, like that Cortland Sutton out of SMU, he, like, from a fantasy perspective, he had a pretty good season. And then they drafted a tight end first round last year, and then they get a receiver first round this year. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Locke out there. Yeah, yeah, and especially because they had a nice little end of the year. Uh, you yeah, know, they, yeah. They really did. Um, now, I uh, – you, you asked me this question. And well, actually, before I'm going to wait to get to that, the thing that is making a lot more fans watch the draft this year, of course, uh, more so than usual, is just because of the lack of sports we have. And this is this is live sports, even if it is just people picking uh, from their homes. All right, do we think that we're still going to get the crazy suits, even though that people aren't at the draft? I would say no, but I don't know. Maybe that's something you have to buy in advance. So, yeah, like some might already have it, so they're yeah, just stuck. You gotta with wear it. it. Um, do we think that there's going to be technological difficulties? That- oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> see, we're gonna get fired over this, man. <laughs> did you see what the lines are doing? I did not. I think I read this correctly. I think they bought an RV to put outside their owner or their GM's house, and their head of IT is driving over there to sit there during the draft in case something goes wrong. So he's like, you know, there at the scene if something bad happens. You know, that's not a – it's not the worst idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Seattle Seahawks GM, his name is John Schneider, I believe, came out today and said, yeah, we brought, we brought guys in this week. And he, the way he gave the, the – uh, the same was just like, yeah, like I didn't have internet before this, so this is really different. This is different here. We got guys tearing up the walls. Like, hard to put an internet, internet cable in, I guess. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pete Carroll's general manager didn't have internet. Like, you know, in Seattle, you can get away with that in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Um, Do we see coaches in pajamas? I, no, because I think coaches just perpetually, like, are in pajamas. It's just they're, like, team-issued sweats um, where, you know, they're cut up in a weird assortment. Like, I can't imagine Bill Belichick doing a, like, FaceTime interview, though. Like, because yeah. he's he's horrible in press conferences anyway, just next, you know, on to, the, <laughs> on to Cincinnati. Like, I can't imagine him, like, being able to convey any sort of emotion through uh, a technological platform whatsoever. But uh, I, did you, did you hear what happened uh, during their trial run? Uh, like it where they were, they, they did like a trial mock draft for the 32 teams. They did a trial I saw run. They did that, but I didn't hear what happened. No. Well, first thing that happened is they got all the GMs on one zoom call. And the moderator didn't mute everybody when they got there. <laughs> so it was just chaos with 32 <laughs> people talking at once. Um, and then 
you know, once everybody got muted, you know, things got to normal and it was like, okay, I'm glad we did this dry run so that we could have things figured out. But then the the fun part of it all is that like once they kind of spent like an hour or so kind of going through things, uh, you know, we're, we're going to take this out and, and, and really stress test it. Uh, an NFL head coach was on the phone with Diana Rossini from ESPN. And mm-hmm. this head coach just started cussing. The damn internet's out. Get off the iPad, kid. <laughs> started screaming at him. They were all playing who knows what on their iPad. Get off the internet. <laughs> it's like old school when you had like. Yeah. yeah. AOL dial up. <laughs> yeah, dial up and somebody tries to pick up the phone. Get off the internet. I got to get off the internet. I got to make a phone call. <laughs> it's been only five minutes. I don't care. I got to make a call. Oh, it, I mean, like, there's so many variables in play. Well, just, we just don't know because of the stress. Like, and I mean, I have a feeling somebody's going to write the wrong player down at least once in this thing and send it in. Well, in the like, what's the process to stop that? What sucks is that no, they're all going to be too proud to admit they made a mistake too. Like unless, yeah. cause like, I'm pretty sure that the, like the, the that they're going to have two steps where it's like, you can conference call in via telephone or you can do it electronically to like, make sure the pick is correct. But I, like what, I'm sure there's going to be an instance where the GM has one guy in his mind, but writes the other name. Like it, you just get sidetracked with all of your different screens because a lot of these guys, the the tech savvy ones, have like seven screens. John Elway, he's got this big theater room. John yeah, Lance has got a big room. Mm-hmm. Dave Gettleman, though, I mean, his desk, a dining room table. <laughs> this this looks like his, like that's that's basically his setup right there. It's mm-hmm. just a bunch of junk. And like an old monitor that hasn't been plugged in in years, he doesn't have anything. And and I hope that some sort of mess up happens like it. But I do think that the NFL, even though Roger Goodell is evil, that's a fact. I think they're going to be kind of lenient when it comes to um, this kind of stuff. It's I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be like, I think the broadcast will be better than we expect too. Interested to see how they manage all of that. Uh, and apparently, it used to be where you had an NFL Network set, you had an ABC set, you had an ESPN set. Well, they well, I just, know they did big with like Game Day was out there. Yeah, I believe it actually. Yeah, so like they had like Herb Street and Corso on the ABC one, just to be like the wholesome family one, which I'm sure they'll do something similar. But for NFL Network and ESPN, it's it. They're all going to be the same, and it's just going to be Wingo kicking it in from Bristol to all of the different – Right, to Kuiper and McShay for the most part, and uh, Lewis Riddick. Well, yeah, but no, but they're doing the NFL Network guys too. So, Oh, uh, really? Yeah, so move the sticks. Um, what's the guy in Good Morning Football? Uh, Bur- Peter Schrager. Uh, Burleson? Nate, Nate Burleson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like all of those NFL uh, – like I'm sure they'll have times where they're going to uh, – and now Rich Eisen, you know, where I, I think that's how they're kind of going to juxt- like mix it all in together, which is probably going to take some shine away from some of those guys. But I hope that we get some, like, beef. Like, I, I hope that we can have, like, Mel Kuyper uh, screaming at, you know, one of the NFL Network guys. You know, I, I need that kind of drama 
where not only is it just like usually, stuff, but it's actually uh, inter-network drama. Usually McShay and Kuiper are enough. Oh, That's yeah. That's why I kind of prefer the ESPN coverage is because they butt heads more than once every draft. Oh, man. And, and like, the thing that I like about them, too, is that they don't – like, I've, they, they did interviews on Pardon My Take where, you know, they don't take themselves too seriously. Like, it's all kind of just, you know, they're just doing their job. Like, mm-hmm. they're friends at the end of the day, which I appreciate. I appreciate it a lot. Um, hey, how about we get to some questions? Look, it, we, it. We, we got some rolling in on YouTube. We might as well treat, treat yourself um, and actually treat our fans who are kind of have to look at our faces um hey where do you think the where do you want some of the kentucky boys to go in the draft team wise okay adam Luckett, you want you want where do you want lynn bowden to be playing football at next year for lynn i just want to him to go to a franchise that has a good creative play caller so like when you think about that like that coaches that'll get the guys the ball in multiple ways like obviously kyle shan Man, 49ers. What the Ravens are doing right now with Lamar. I look at, like, the Dallas Cowboys. Last year they drafted Tony Pollard at running back. They used him at receiver all around the place. And then Mike McCarthy comes in. And Mike McCarthy was the same guy who moved Ty Montgomery, right, a receiver to running back. So I, that would seem like a decent little fit for Limboden, I think. Especially when you look, you know, Dallas, they need playmakers around Dak. Yeah, they got Amari Cooper, they've got Zeke, but they, they they just need more, and that's an offense that can really take off if they get some you know more playmakers in there, and so that's really kind of the mold I look to. What you don't want him going is like like Minnesota Vikings. I love Mike Zimmer, but like you don't want him going to like a or Pete Carroll or it's, uh, the Seahawks, like not that kind of that team identity where it's defense first, a little more kind of old school on offense, even with the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. A lot of it's just Russell Wilson creating plays. It's not not really the right. scheme of what they're doing. It's not about so that. That's, that's what I look for when looking for a good spot for Lynn because to use him, you got to think a little bit outside the box, I think, for him to really succeed. Yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment. And for selfish reasons, for the Commonwealth's sake, I, I hope it's the Ravens. Because part, part of the reason why I want an NBA team in Louisville is just to unite UK and UofL fans on something. Like, I want us, I want to sit with my friends that I'm normally bickering um, with and, like, actually watch a game together and all be cheering for the same team. That just does – that never happens. Even when I'm with my UK friends, there's always one or two turds in the punch bowl that are there that, like, they're either being, like, Eh, whatever they're they're really cheering against but you know there's always some sort of Louisville fans creeping up ruining your day I would like for us to all get on the same team and the possibilities of like like what if Lynn Bowden threw Lamar Jackson a touchdown pass I mean like that would be so freaking awesome give me that yeah I mean from an entertainment standpoint for sure yeah just him and that offense and just another unique type of weapon they would have to use in March Lamar needs wide receivers too. Like, you can't just throw it to Hollywood Brown. Yeah, yeah, but that that what they're doing though is so kind of unique with how heavily they are they have the run game and what they're asking Lamar to do with his legs. But you're right. Eventually, like the pass game has to slowly take more importance 
And yeah. to do that, you know, you got to get him some receivers to throw the ball to, some like legit <laughs> high level receivers. And I'm sure that they're going to make that a priority at some point in this draft, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's it's early or later. There's plenty of them in this draft, man. You can get good wide receivers really the, for all the first three rounds, guys that you could come in and compete for starting jobs. It's uh, for Stenberg. I saw one mock draft had him at KC. I think that's a need for mm-hmm. them from what I understand. So, yes, put him on the defending Super Bowl champs. Like, I can you imagine if somebody, like, late hit Patrick Mahomes, what Logan Stenberg would do to them? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I mean, just fire up the content. Like, he's – I don't think he's going to Miles Garrett somebody, but he's going to come damn close. <laughs> right. The thing with Stenberg is – we talked about that outside zone with Becton. Teams that run that – like probably aren't looking at Stenberg or shouldn't be more than likely because he's, you know, an inside the box power blocker. North South. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that, you obviously think like, like obviously the Steelers are still believing in running the ball downhill. They just drafted Benny Snell. Like mm-hmm. that's obviously an option. I saw he visited the Texans here or the Texans visited with him on the phone this month. So that's an, that's an option. So, but with him, I think there's a lot of, a lot of teams that could potentially be off the board because of just scheme type things with what hits him best. I um, I'm kind of hoping it's not the Texans because I love good old Bill O'Brien slander, but yet mm-hmm. they're in the playoffs every year. Well, if he goes to Texas, you have to think they got Deshaun. They're going to be good, so like it's going to be a good situation. If once Bill O'Brien gets fired and they get some new <laughs> minds in there, have it you seen this situation? The DeAndre Hopkins post-mortem has just been – it's it, it has Bill O'Brien hasn't come across good at all. And no. <laughs> I think the latest thing Hopkins was like, there was no relationship between me and Bill O'Brien was his quote. Yeah. Yeah, I heard they didn't didn't get along would be the yeah the yeah. PC term for that. Yeah, that's, that's one way uh, to put it. Um, oh, one person, uh, Mike – he was like, oh, Gronk with Tom. It's over. Gronk. Oh. I, 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 I kind of like this team Tampa's putting together, man. <laughs> They're, offensively, you just look at their weapons. Now they need to hit on probably a tackle in this draft. They need O-line help. But, you know, Brady, Gronk, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, like, like low-key from just a talent standpoint like you know he had Moss and Welker but like that might be the best just from a raw talent standpoint wide receiver duo he's had Brady's career uh, and then you throw the best tight end ever into the mix yeah and you wonder what Gronk has lost in the tank but I do think that you'll see a re-energized Gronk just from maybe okay. a year Gronk off. Gronk is slamming people slamming bodies at Wrestlemania he's got plenty left in the tank well, but I, I think I think a lot <laughs> I know of what you're saying. Yeah. was that, like, he just needed to get out of the, the Patriot way. Well, Gronk's biggest is just staying healthy. I mean, that was his biggest issue those last couple of years. It's staying healthy, and I think just the – New England's a, a meat grinder. And, like, Brady, you know, thrived in it. But I think for right. both Camp them, is a little different. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot different. So, mm-hmm. uh, but you know what? Belichick got a fourth rounder out of it. Um, yeah. So, like – I, I'm interested to see what he does with it. I'm interested to see, like, it's not his kind of deal, 
but there's you know people who are like well you know they have some pieces like they have some capital to move up if they wanted to get a yeah people up. started floating out the uh the tua like is new england gonna get Tua? which i that doesn't strike me as a belichick thing but it would be fun to see no but he could if he liked jordan love he could probably he probably has the pieces now where he could get that without stretching himself too thin which Jordan Love, uh, who we haven't mentioned yet, he is going to be the um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I just think that he's going to be like – he's not somebody that they're going to be clamoring for early on, in, but I think there's a lot of teams with quarterbacks that are aging out right now between the Steelers with Big Ben, mm-hmm. uh, Drew Brees in New Orleans, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, where it's like, hey – Here's a guy who, like, has the physical tools. He can sling the rock. Now, he threw some interceptions, but that's because he had a terrible offensive coordinator who didn't help him at all. Mike Sanford, garbage. So, <laughs> I think that that's going to be a commodity at the end. I'm just interested to see if any of those teams are willing to move because they're afraid another team's going to get them first just to get a backup guy, you know? Right, yeah, for sure. So, the thing with it, though – is there's a lot of starter kind of quality quarterbacks that have moves or that are available. I mean, you look at Cam Newton, Andy Dalton is there. Like, the Bengals are going to trade him eventually. Yeah. And then Jameis. I mean, that's three right there that you could bring in and kind of kind of maybe do the Tannehill model that the Titans used. Like, the Raiders are doing it. They, they have Derek Carr, but they brought in Mariota. And so – I think that could hurt quarterbacks like a Jordan Love where most years someone's just going to take a flyer on him there probably in the 20s. I can see where they might not do that this year because there's other options on the table, and then you could see him falling into the second round. You mentioned all those guys and, like, your Mariotas and whatnot. And I don't know if it's just because I'm more familiar with these guys now, and I I remember when they've done good things. But I feel like the NFL has – a lot more average quarterbacks now. Like, there, there's a lot of guys who can go out there and win you games but aren't necessarily, you know, face the franchise kind of stuff. Like, Kirk Cousins. Like, Kirk Cousins is a very – definitely a dividing line for sure. And, and there's a lot of guys in that group and not a whole lot separates them from one another except the pieces they have around them. Now, obviously, like Mariota, we, we saw that he had the pieces, but he couldn't do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Where Tannehill, same situation, but in Miami, he didn't have any pieces, and he was always getting hurt, and you, he, he looked like a bust. But then he finally gets a defense. He's not asked to do as much. He has a good running game. So uh, I, to, I, I think the point I'm trying to get at is that teams are will make these rash moves because finding a fra- face of the franchise is hard, um, but there are plenty of guys out there that can provide a decent enough floor. Um, and one of them, I think, is the guy who you liked at the uh, NFL Combine was Jake Fromm. Like he- yeah. <laughs> like, Fromm, you could – I mean, you hear him talk. Like, he's going to be a coach. Like, like we're going to be old with – dragging around there in Hoover, and we're going to be going to talk to Jake Fromm, head coach at South Carolina. Like, he's going <laughs> to be a coach. So, like oh. – no, when we I, go to cover me media days in the next in twenty five years, so like, obviously, like he's going off the board in the second round. People are going to fall in love with him, 
So like that's gonna happen. I, I wouldn't Ooh. like I would I never expect him to be like a quality quarterback in this league, but I know he's gonna get picked and he's gonna stick around for a little bit. Who's getting picked first, him or Eason? That's yeah, that's the thing I'm watching for in the second round. I don't know. That's a good uh, question. Uh, come on, you have a take. I, to pick, okay. I would say Eason just because of the tools. Like somebody's gonna fall in love and draft him way sooner than he should be picked. He's got the quarterback hair too, right? Like. He looks good in shorts coming off the bus, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's where, I, and like Jake Fromm's a little bit on the smaller size, um, but I, that's why I think Eason will get picked first. But if it were my team, I, I wouldn't be too excited about getting either one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's just especially from long term potential. Decent right. backup, sure. When your game come in, but not long term potential. Um, all you right, know, with these quarterbacks, man, like. I think Burrow is going to be good. I think Tua, if he stays healthy, he'll be good. I could like Herbert. I just can't get myself into like I see him being kind of like a Tannehill, like a solid starter, but not like anybody that's going to go out and be like a real difference maker for your franchise. But in a good situation, you can win with him. Mm-hmm. But but after that, you know, it's just I, nobody's really that big. The one I like the most is probably Anthony Gordon at Washington State, who we talked to at the combine, only because he has a lightning trigger release. He's really accurate, and we see what Gardner Minshew did last year. You know, he did right. some okay things. So a guy like that that's played in that scheme that can process information quickly, but has athleticism to move around and is really accurate with the ball, like. That's a guy, like, I think I could see potentially developing into a starter. But, like, Eason and Fromm and Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts, like, all those guys, I just I just don't see – I mean, I just don't see it with them. I, I would – in my ideal, like, world, I would like to see Hurts in the same vein as Bowden go to a situation where there's a coach that just values his versatility mm-hmm. and is willing to get creative with him. Um, because, like, not, you know, he's a fine passer. He's a great runner. But also, you know, he, he's a strength and conditioning guy. Like, dude can take some licks. So, yeah, like – Jalen is – he he was a lot of one-read quarterback his whole career. It was one read if that guy wasn't open, and then it was run. And you just you just can't do that in the NFL. But you That's could – That would be the biggest scare for him. You could if you were just coming in as like a gadget for gadget plays and stuff like that. Which, mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah, that, I mean, that, like we talked about, coach, like he's another guy that's going to be coaching, like yeah. as soon as he's done playing, like he'll he will be a coach at some level and a good write, one. Right, he down. talks like just like a coach. He, he kind of like I can see him in a visor now too. Yeah, hell yeah, he's visor gang for sure. With like, but, like growing his hair out a little bit, and mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, but with that said, guys like that can have a tendency to stick around and hang around for a long time too. You know what I'm saying? Because then if they get hooked, they get latched on to the right coach who has a scheme that has a successful career. Then they're just bringing him in as a backup to kind of be be a sounding board for the other quarterbacks on what to do in that scheme. Correct. So like he's a guy I could see, you know, just hanging around the NFL for a long time too. All right, there's one guy we need to talk about, too, that is going to hang around the NFL for a long time. He's probably everyone's favorite player that's not in the top ten, and that's your boy Kenneth Murray. Tackle machine. He's a tackle machine. And the 
the understanding I have of Kenneth Murray because I'll he's one of those that like I'm not going to learn any player from Oklahoma any defensive player from Oklahoma their name until after the draft because as far as I'm concerned Big 12 doesn't play defense but everything I've heard of Murray is that like he does he plays football the right way fundamentally sound can can do it all um, and to the point where he he can do so much that he even I, I read today that he he was successfully resuscitated uh, somebody on campus this year like there was just a woman who he was like walking to campus she was on the side of the road what a badass like, unconscious like bleeding and he performed CPR and successfully resuscitated her and nobody would have known about it except for there was some kid in the student newspaper who was like walking by as a habit like Ooh. that that's what you're getting. With, with Kenneth Murray. <laughs> he literally does it all. He saves lives. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a guy that's right there in that first round, in the first round probably, coming off the board. And, like, just from a speed standpoint, like four five two forty, and it, he plays that fast too. But, like, it, it seems like – like, the, the rap on him is that, like, he plays fast, but it's like a step slow. Like his instincts are not where you kind of want them to be. Mm-hmm. And that he was a tackle machine at Oklahoma because somebody had to make tackles. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. so like, but I think I'm back position in general. Like last year we had Devin White from LSU go to the Bucks, Devin Bush from Michigan go to the Steelers, and both yep. those guys were no doubters. Like, yep. you don't, you just don't have that with this year's class. But I think the depth, like, I look later in the draft, and there's some guys I really like late. Like, Logan Wilson I thought would be one, but he might be going in the first round now. And then <laughs> you just got some other guys, guys on the board that I think are good players that you can get later in the draft. Like, this position right here, because last year on the uh, – on the all-rookie team, Nick Roush, the pro riders all-rookie team, I believe it was, it was either nine or ten of the 22 guys were second round, pick, second or third-round picks. Huh. So, like, we make a big deal of the first round. It's what everybody watches. But really, day two, you, there's still really good players coming off the board. And I think linebacker could be a position where you can get some of those guys in the third round. So, we're going to pay attention to Murray, maybe Patrick Queen at LSU if he gets pack, picked in the first round. But there's also going to be guys later in the draft that I think can be some really good players. It, it, day two is a lot faster, which I think makes it more fun Day two to is watch. my favorite day. It's my favorite yeah. day to watch. And day, day three, like, they can't even – you know, they're, they get to a point where they aren't even reading off every single pick. It's just happening so fast. Um, but day two is the most entertaining. You get the most bang for your buck Friday night. So 64 picks Friday night. And they're, and, they're good players. Too. I mean, they're still – players that you've known in college. Yeah, oh, exactly, exactly. There's a lot of names you'll you'll see in there. Derek Brown, he isn't going to fall that far, is he? No, he'll be a top ten pick. He's going to go that high? Jeez. Yeah. I'm that surprised. Cardinals, who I've seen a lot of people mock him to. Oh, hell, they got him at seven in this one, yeah. The the one that I think is just, just from a didn't even hear his name going into the SEC football season is Javon Kenlaw. Um, he blew like, up, man. He really did. He really did. So, hats off to that guy. See, yeah. Took my I hat off. Essentially, as a guy for the Jaguars there at nine. The Jaguars. All right. Like it. You had some, some late round stuff for us. Am I correct in that? Or some free agent stuff? Like, what? 
Yeah, I got some things for you, Nick. I've got some popular players from college football from this past year that that our listeners and that you will know. Okay. And basically, like surprise or not surprise, because these guys are right now projected not to be drafted. First up, Shea Patterson. I'm not surprised now, but I'm shocked at where he right. was when he was on the transfer market. Right. That's what I was going back to too. Like how big a deal that was for them to get him coming out of high school. He was like billed as like the next Johnny football and that you yeah. know, he's going to get drafted. Well, and he did it at Ole Miss and he goes and plays for Harbaugh. Yeah. And like, but if he, if he, yeah. But some people have like, they say you could see at Ole Miss that he wasn't what they counted up to them. And then they took off when Tom got in there once he got hurt. Yeah. We you saw know. that, you know, firsthand when they came yeah. up here in 2017. I would look good, too, if I was throwing to Van Jefferson, D.K. Right. Metcalf, and A.J. Brown. And that's another thing. Like, <laughs> Van Jefferson's probably going to go in the second round. That team had three receivers all went in the second round. And DeMarcus Lodge was really good, but he didn't get drafted. But And then Dawson Knox, who's playing for the Bills, was their tight end, who well, I believe was also like a second-round pick. I mean, it's just absurd. That's what sucks so much about that loss at Kroger Field. Like, like – because hey, Ole Miss's record stunk. It was I think it was Matt Luke's interim season, and but they had so much NFL talent. And, and like Jordan Wilkins at running back, who's playing for the Colts, like, I mean, actually playing for him. And Wadden Johnson played DK Metcalf perfectly, but it was DK Metcalf. Like, what yeah. do you do? You know, and, oh, gosh, that game. You look back, man. The talent on that field for that game, you just kind of think about it. Yeah, you had Lim Bowden was on the field. Benny Snell had a big day. Josh Allen, that whole yeah. Kentucky secondary. And then Jordan Tamu and all those skill position talent that Ole Miss had. Which, shout out Mike Edwards getting to play with Tom Brady and Gronk now. Yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> hey, man. He's got a chance now, man. I know. Make a run at it. It's going to be a little bit harder to pick off passes in practice. He didn't have Jameis just throwing it mm-hmm. right at him. And there's right. another guy we didn't mention who's just flown out there and free agent. Like, that dude – I think he could still be decent somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all, I think it's all like he just needs to get the right system, the right coordinator. Ooh. Oh, wait. They're getting Joe Burrow. Never mind. I was going to say, hey, they're going to trade Andy Dalton, right. Jameis to Cincinnati. You would, but if, if you weren't getting Joe Burrow, though, I'd take it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, rather, you know, he might as well roll the dice, especially on like a one year deal where you just yeah. kind of figure stuff out just let, let's throw him in here and see what he can do i'm surprised they didn't do that with joe brady as a known after did they did carolina sign a quarterback yeah they got teddy yeah okay that's why i think like them at seven that's like what i got back to earlier was just like some of the teams right there just don't need really need quarterbacks so it's kind of it creates a situation where it is a right move to trade up or trade down and then, yeah and but it's also you know it's bait for other teams like they can maybe want to make a move the next, I had two Clemson transfers that we saw last year. Kelly Bryant and Tavian Feaster, guy who at South Ooh. Carolina running back. I was no. a little, Feaster surprised me a little bit. Not, not did, Like, they're drafting Rico Dowdle. I thought he was better than Rico Dowdle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I see, yeah, I saw in one seven round, Rico Dowdle was Mr. Irrelevant. I would take Feaster over Dowdle all day, mm-hmm. every day. Me too. Me um, too. So, that, that surprises me. But Kelly Bryant, man, you want to – Talking about a guy who hindsight twenty twenty as well. Like right. I I know that he did have the pieces there, but as soon as they got smacked down with that penalty, that should have been like 
let's because he could have got his release too. He didn't have to mm-hmm. stick around for that. And I, I think that cloud just hanging over them, they were never going to be able to escape it. Mm-hmm. And then um, another guy from Missouri. When this guy was playing for them, man, he was going to be SEC defense player of the year. Their defense was lights out. His injury, and they fell apart, was Kale Garrett, inside linebacker. He's not going to get drafted? They, they had him. I think the thing with him is he's a two-down linebacker. He can't really play in space. Uh, so, yeah. And he's had injury issues. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. These are just projections. Like, these, all these guys could – I mean, they could all get – Pick we don't know, but I'm just, right, right. Like, that, that is even a scenario right now. It's kind of is what I'm trying to throw out there. Exactly. Then over at Tennessee, man, we had three of them. We talked about that big three on defense last year with Daniel Batuli, Nigel Warrior, and Darrell Taylor. Darrell Taylor, I'm seeing is like a guy that could go in the third round or maybe in the second round. But Batuli and Nigel Warrior, Nigel Warrior didn't even get invited to the combine, and Batuli is. Uh, another guy, but kind of in the same mold as Garrett. Like, I think evaluators think he's kind of a two-down linebacker. He can't really play pace. And you know what, though? Those are guys that, like, if my team signs them uh, as a free agent, I'm pumped. Yeah. Like, hey, dude had, like, 300 tackles in the SEC. Like, right. oh, yeah. Sign another guy for Tennessee was Marquez Callaway. <sighs> this one didn't surprise me because it made – like, did you ever see Callaway making a catch that wasn't like a jump ball? Yeah, and they were all against Kentucky, too. Like, he kind of sucked yeah. when he wasn't. Now, like, he, now, he's a good punt returner, so, like, there's going to be some value for him somewhere. Yeah. But those, those were really the guys that I found. Because right. there are guys like this every year where we watch the college, and we're like, oh, yeah, that guy's good. And then comes draft time, and it's like, well, maybe they're not that good. <laughs> I – um. I think people are going to be surprised when Calvin Taylor Jr. gets drafted. Hey, uh, what do you think about Calvin Taylor Jr., Mr. Irrelevant? Oh, I love it. I think it's a possibility. Yeah. Because if he's going to get picked, it's going to be late in that seventh round. Right, right. But I think he's also in the, in a, in the area where if he's not picked, he's going to be one of the top undrafted kind of free agents right there. Because he's such a anomaly, and with his size and length, that like yeah, I mean, if he doesn't get selected, he's going to have I would think plenty of suitors. Well, and, his phone as soon as the draft is over. Of course, a lot of the stuff that when you look at like the projections of everything, like you ceiling versus floor, and in his case, he has improved every single year that he played football in college. Like, like you, mm-hmm. you, you see the steps, so. Yeah, a pessimist would say, well, how much ceiling does he have left? Uh, I mean, he was tied for the SEC in sacks last year. But an, an optimist would say, well, what what is he two or three steps ahead a few years from now? Now, he's a little bit, uh, you know, t- like they, they don't make many pass rushers that tall. Like Calais Campbell is one of the few exceptions. Um, but, like, that's, that's where it would be tough. But I think uh, you will, between him and Wagner, just because of their unique size, I think somebody will take a flyer on him. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I can't foresee any other Wildcats getting drafted. Right. Yeah, I think it's the two and then just somebody roll the dice on Calvin Taylor or Wagner. But with Taylor, man, like you can play, you can play the defense tackle, that three technique, and he can rush the passer. Yeah. That's a very valuable skill to have in the NFL. 
that the big question for him is he's so big and long. Can he hold up in the, you know, inside in the yeah. run game against all those, these big guards and say, so he proved he couldn't SEC. Can he do it? Then that's going to be, can he do it at the next level? And that's going to be the big question he has to answer. Mm-hmm. And I think not having a pro day and getting to meet teams probably screwed him. I think it could have helped him though. Like it. Or could have helped him. You know, I guess it, it and, and the only reason why I spin it that way is because when you see him in person, you see his, his legs. He kind of yeah. got chicken yeah. legs, but you don't you don't That's see so it on tape. Bas- he's got basketball legs. He does. I mean, his calves are just like there's nothing there. So right. maybe. Yeah, he probably wasn't going to put up big numbers like George Safo J did last year at Pro Day. Yeah, like there would be people that like I can imagine scouts being like, "What's going on with his legs over here?" Like what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really just trying to spin it because I, I really like Calvin Taylor Jr. and I hope he gets drafted. Uh, there was a question you asked me um, when we were going into when we were, we were just talking a little, a little prep, like because you 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 asked me if this is the best song, best jingle. Is it the best jingle? And so I came up, and in as far as jingles, I, I'm putting all of my categories of jingles, I'm including just football background songs, like the... Okay. That our show yeah, I was even, I was even including, like, you know, CBS, College Basketball, March Madness one, their intro song. Oh, that's my number and one. The, yeah, and then Round Ball Rock, who, like, the old NBA games on NBC used to have it, now Fox uses it for their college basketball. So, Round Ball Rock, um, well, I'm just going to get into my ratings. Do you have your own uh, ratings as well? Yeah, I have a little board, right? Like, I have one is, uh, one is I think Round Ball Rock's the best one. And then so, two, I will put the draft. Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Round Ball Rock for a second because Round Ball Rock, just from a musical standpoint, I think it's the best. Um, you mm-hmm. can – yeah, you, you can like make up words to it. Nelly did it. Heart of a champion. It's fantastic. The problem with Round Ball Rock is that it's NBA on NBC is where it was at its prime, and that was like Jordan '90s Bulls. We were barely around for any of that. So the moments that you, because like really what these songs come about to, it's the moments that you associate with them. And I don't associate as many moments with that one as I do with some other songs. So mm-hmm. that's why it's number three on my list. Number one is CBS March Madness. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's – it just – it gets the people going. See, my number two is the intro to our podcast, the CS oh, College Football. Oh, okay, okay. That so, one gets that one gets me going. So, Round Ball Rock, CBS College Football. Okay, my number – Okay, go ahead. My number two, Monday Night Football. And not – yeah. The, see, yeah. Not all my rowdy friends on Monday night, but just the dun 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 dun. dun. Yes, yes, that's on my list too. Man, so good, so good. I just appreciate that we all have our heads in the same area, but just a little, a little different here and there. Mm-hmm. Like at number three, my number three is Round Ball Rock. Your number three is your number three. The NFL draft single. Ding, ding, ding. No, it goes threes. NCAA March Madness. Okay, okay, and then four would be the NFL draft. Mm. The pick is in. See, mine is a very underrated one, and it is the NFL on Fox one. 
which mm-hmm, that's good one. Yeah, I. It's like I, I forget the football guy's name. What's the little robot that does the? He's like stretching. Uh, I know exactly. I can see it. I don't know what his name is. But like the. Yes, it's I mean, it's just like you you you're ready to pop the pads on and go to work, and so that just. It just reminds you of Sunday, Sunday afternoon, sitting uh, on your couch. And then Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, which I think pound mm-hmm. for pound, uh, they're the two, like, like Buck and Aikman, I think, pound for pound, are my favorite to listen to. Just They just got the voices of a big game. And, like, a lot of it, you can't – like, I can't help the way my voice sounds. I just can't. They can't either, and they do it in the best way possible. And they've been they've been around a long time now too. Yeah, they've got to be the longest. I mean, they've been going longer than Collinsworth and Michaels. Because um, you had Sims and Nance for a long time now. Sims sucked. Disturbed them. God, Sims was terrible. <laughs> he was so bad. He was he was almost as bad as Dan Fouts, which is saying something. <laughs> um, what is ESPN going to do, man? When they ain't football, dude, they've got. They're talking about hard dude. Trying to, they, they're talking. No, they can't. You know why? I, I'm going to tell you why Peyton's not doing it. Have you heard of Arch Manning yet? Yeah, I've heard of Arch. Arch is a freshman? He'll be a sophomore. Okay. Go watch the tape. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, like Lane is, like, Lane has got a, he's, Lane's got about a seven-year plan and four of them center around Arch Manning. So, the ball in so wait, you think Peyton is going to not get in just because he wants to watch his kid play or he wants to coach his kid? I think, I think he's got – like, I don't think that's the only reason. Like, I think the Mannings are a really tight-knit family. And if you – and Cooper, like they say, Cooper's his dad, and they're all really close. And I think they're all go and watch and travel around in a circus and watch him play in college, in high school and college. And I, just, I think I think the I think the sell with Peyton he would only do it maybe like I think the, the reason he hadn't did it done it excuse me was because Eli was playing he wanted to call Eli's games right and I think right. the way he wants to do it is to do it with his brother which I don't know if ESPN would be interested in or not I, I don't know or maybe he just doesn't want to do it either maybe he's just like cool with what well, he's doing. ESPN was willing to throw him a bone and let him do that Peyton's Places show, and they had a marathon on it Sunday, and I watched a couple of them. And Peyton's yeah, is good like on one or two. Peyton's is good on TV. He, he just is. is. He is. He would be. He'd be great. He would be great if he did it. So I, I hope they figure it out because Booger. I actually liked Booger in the Booger Mobile, but Whit was so too. bad. Like Booger <laughs> in the Booger Mobile was great because he it was, was funny. Fun. It's funny. It, Exactly. Like, I think he's knowledgeable, but he's not a good, you know, second fiddle. Like, third guy. I like Booger, but, like, I think he's good, like, studio guy. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, if he was in a Fox or CBS and he was a studio guy on Sunday, I think he would be fine. Right. But I don't The call in the game, just, I don't think that's. It's a lot quicker. And you're Even delivered. when he, back when he covered college football, that's what he, he was studio at SEC Network, and then he got moved up to ABC, and he was good at that. Yeah, and then they stuck him in the mobile, and it's just been people have been madder than hell. I think. <laughs> um, after my, I NFL, did love those Twitter videos where guys had people at the game yelling at that Booger mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Move, Booger, um, get out of the way. Which 
I mean, we brought up the Patriots or, or the Bucks earlier. We're going to get a lot of Bucks on Monday night this year. So I'm. Uh, uh, it's it's going to be Sunday weird night too. Prime time. It's going to be weird to see those uniforms in prime time. Uh, you know, and that's that's also they did they didn't they did uh they got rid of the alarm clock numbers. Which yeah. Is good. Yeah, and that weird gray stuff on their shoulders. That's uh, yeah. They had a lot going on with those jerseys. They had a lot going on. Um, okay, look at do we? Uh, I, I wanted to briefly mention a couple of Kentucky things before we got out of here. But what what else from the draft would we like to make sure we we cover um, so that we don't we don't leave the people hanging on draft night? And they'd be like, how how did they forget talking about that? One thing I want to mention. It's like we talked about the class of 2015 and how well Kentucky did. Stenberg's going to be another pick from it. But there's two guys that are going to get drafted in this class that were committed and decommitted. Yep. So, like, it wasn't like the guys that they had committed ended up stinking. Like, some of those were good players. Ohio State's Devon Hamilton and North Carolina's Jason Strobridge yeah. are both going to get – like, they're going to be mid-round picks, like fourth round. So, like, like 2015, 2015 class in some ways could have been – you know, just as good, even if they don't lose, you know, some of those commitments. So, Strobridge linebacker. Um, they're both defensive linemen. They're, oh, they're linemen? Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Strobridge then, was from South Florida, and then Hamilton was from Ohio and Kentucky. He was committed to Kentucky for a while, and I think Ohio State came in late. He was a guy, if there was an early signing day, he would have been at Kentucky. Right, right. Well, and speaking of Ohio defense players to flip, uh, Kentucky had a commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin Williams, the first commander, yeah. yeah, who flipped. He's uh, rolling the boat, Sky Yuma, um, with the Golden Gophers. Yeah. Flex first, I think, big win over Kentucky and Ohio. I know there was the Alex Riegelsberger. Yeah. Um, but I think that was kind of a package deal looking back. Right, right, right. And you know what? Maybe Williams was. I, I To be honest, when kids start committing in mm-hmm. February – like it's hard for me to pay attention and care. From from my viewpoint, like I'm not out there talking to kids or interviewing them or playing the recruiting game. I'm more just looking at it from what their tape says and kind of just looking at what their numbers put up. And when you watched him, man, like he had he's got some, he had some big time potential. I thought, mm-hmm. and I thought he was he fits the perfect mold for what Kentucky likes in a wheelbacker. And I thought he was going to be a really, a really good player at Kentucky. And so to lose a guy like that caliber, you know, obviously stinks. But that happens. And end, we have to remember, like, this is a big area of need in that 2021 class after losing Trey Wilkins and Sean Kelly Knight Goff. Yeah. And, you know, all those guys that are going to play this year are going to be seniors in 21. So you look down to 2022, like, you got to find the bodies. You got to find them in a hurry for who's going to play there. And that was part of the reason they're moving J.R. Casey inside, I think. Well, and I, I, if I were going to spin it one way, it'd be like, well, hey, you know, now you go after some big dogs, John Summerall. Yeah. Like, it's still – I mean, it's it's still early. But, I, I mean, I just, all I was saying is, like, I I don't think this is, to me, from where I'm sitting, it's not just like, oh, well, they didn't need that guy. Like, that kid's a good player. Yeah. Minnesota, I think Minnesota got a good one from Kentucky. You mean not every kid that decommits from your school sucks? Yes. This is exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. It's been well – like we've like Kentucky, we've had the point where like we just talked about Devon Hamilton went to Ohio State, yeah. Like that, but I think it's a, like I think just our minds tell us that you know, like if it's a lateral flip like that, maybe that kid's not going to play. But I think he's a really good player from what I've seen. I really liked him. Well, and 
Kentucky could be getting uh, another kid tomorrow, um, which by the time you're hearing this, maybe they already got him. Uh, Chansey Malgood, I believe his name, uh, three-star Magwood. Georgia. Chansey Magwood. Yeah, yeah. Got mm-hmm. got the names mixed up. Or Malgwood, Mag, Magwood. I love uh, that name, too. Dude, his first play of his highlight tape is mm-hmm. – I mean, it's an Odell catch. It's a be- poorly thrown fade, and he yeah. just like completely turns his body around and throws one hand up and snatches it. Not the greatest camera work, but, yeah, it, it was a nice <laughs> body contortion in the air. <laughs> Pretty awesome. So, talented athlete that yeah. John Summerall's recruiting. He's, he's picking between Nebraska, Florida State, Louisville, South mm-hmm. Carolina, a couple others. And like we spoke about in the past, Summerall is going to bring some big – to your big time, you know, recruiting chops in the South. He's going to win some big recruiting battles. And I think this is one of them, a high three-star kid who I've just now kind of started to dig into the tape. But, I mean, you can see it with him. So, and that's a position we talked about they struggle with. And the best time, the best play to, place to fix that is on the recruiting trail by recruiting some higher caliber receivers. And this guy from that offer list would tell you that a lot of people think he can really play. Right, and, and recruiting in general is about ready to kick up uh, quite a bit. I know a lot of – there was a lot of scrambling initially because their schedule, you know, you just had to wad it up and throw it in the trash. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the, they really turned up the heat over at Frederick Douglass. Um, they offered a couple of freshmen this week uh, who are going to be sophomores next year. Uh, Jagger Burden, that, that essentially seems like a two-horse race uh, yeah, at this State, point Kentucky. between Ohio State and Kentucky. And to kill Crowdis, I, I – I, I think he's going to be announcing sometime in the near future as well, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's next month. I think it's in May. Right. So things are really going to start kicking up. We're going to have. To, I'm going to have to start doing my homework. We're going to have to really start digging in. But uh, it's cranking up a lot. Vince Marrow is zooming all over the place, and that's uh, literally not figuratively. Um, so uh, it, it's a it's a weird time to be recruiting, but uh, you know, Kentucky coaches are certainly going to be. Do we think? Like, with these Zooms and these coaches recruiting now, they might be realizing, like, they can just do these face-to-face. Like, they don't maybe have to make as much travel as maybe they thought. I wonder if that's even crossed their mind. I hope not, because if I've seen – I've seen Stoops on the Zoom once. Uh, he's much better in person shaking hands and, you know. <laughs> yeah, you might be right on that. But I'm just saying, like – like Merrill, who's probably a guy they send out, you know, a lot, or any recruiting coordinator for that matter. Like, I wonder, like, if he's like, if he's if he's found that it's just as easy and he can get just as much done. Well, talking I think, to these kids virtually as opposed to like visiting their high school and stuff. I think it might be for, uh, like the guy, like like Merrill and like Merrill, Merrill's doing a lot of his work within driving distance. Like Eddie Grant, if you're doing South Florida, like you don't need to hop on a plane every time and go watch. You know what I mean? Like I think you could still be effective, yeah, through Facetime and stuff. Yeah, maybe even Summerall too, especially if he he can prove that he can pull a commitment while under quarantine. Um, but we will have to wait and see. I'm excited for this weekend's draft. Like it Thursdays when the real the action gets rolling, um, we're gonna have coverage. You know, before, after, during the whole nine yards throughout, um, and. Hopefully we get uh, Stenberg and Bowden to pop on Friday night. Um, it'd probably be late Friday night if I'm willing to, to wager. But, uh, you know. Yeah, I think, I think Bowden will come off the board. I think Stenberg will probably be early Saturday. Yeah, because if, if, if there's a run on receivers, 
there's going to be a guy who they might have had him a little bit later on, but looks at him as like, I, we've got to, we've got to jump on this now because that the receivers aren't lasting long. So, yeah, that's why I'm optimistic. We'll hear Lynn Bowden's name called Friday, but look at I can't wait. It's 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 going to be a fun three days event, and after three days of football, we get a, a, a Jordan, two hours of Michael Jordan in our face Sunday night. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that this past Sunday. Like just, everybody else, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, but we get a four-day sports weekend. Like, it's almost like the NCAA tournament, except just not games. Hey, man, for me, I watch, I watch a lot of this every year. I don't sit down and watch all of it. I'm going to try to watch all of it this weekend. We'll see if the wife lets me do that. <laughs> um, but but I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And this, this is part of the reason I think football is so fun. Because, yes, it's a small sample size sport for the fact that we have a limited number of games each year. But it's also the best sport to talk about with stuff like this because there's so many players going to be involved in the draft. Like we talked about, the second and third round are very important. So with the first nearly 100 picks, like I think all those picks, you know, they have a chance to really matter. And, and now we're going to get it in these old white dudes in a virtual world, see if they can. They can, they can survive. So I'm excited. I think there's a chance for fireworks in more ways than one for this weekend. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. I really can't. And uh, can't wait to see some dreams come true. It's going to be a little bit different than normal, but uh, it's going to be exciting nonetheless. Uh, but it, until then, I hope you all have enjoyed this. Hope you all are staying safe out there. And uh, Adam, look at it. It's, it's good to see your face. Good to see you too, my brother. Well, everybody take care. Go Cats, go Crow Green, and suck it, Roger Goodell. <laughs>